Good morning. Well, I'm glad everybody skated in. I'm just going to tell you, I got stuck about four times yesterday. Uh, Jason can attest to some of them. I'm a little bit sore, so I feel like I've worked out. Uh, Y'all probably have too, shoveling snow out of the driveway. I had a, my neighbor had a tractor, and I seen him working on his driveway, and I was starting to shovel mine, and I kept looking over there to make sure he saw what I was doing. You know, I had to take a couple breaks. But he had planned on coming over. I thanked him, and I'm, I got a clear driveway now. So, <laughs> If you would, turn with me to the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 12. We've got, uh, as Brother James said, uh, brothers and sisters from sister congregations, we are uh, so glad you're here. Uh, thank you for coming and, and worshiping with us. We uh, want to say that you're our honored guest, and I can say that on behalf of the elders. Um, this morning I want to talk about a word that we all know, allegiance. Loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior or of an individual to a group or cause. I want you to hold that in your mind as we go through this lesson this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, the verses 22 through 37 is where we'll be. And I want you to think about how is your allegiance to God? And is it with God? I want us to think about are we committed to God? You know, over and over as we think about God and we think about the kingdom, I love what James prayed. Man, it was right on with what I want to talk about. The kingdom and our mindset of being set on doing His will. And this story, we uh, here at Fountainhead, we're following the Bible classes and we are going through the miracles of Jesus And we're going through uh, all of the miracles that he did. And today we come to one where there's a man who is demon-possessed. He's blind and mute. Let's go ahead and read verses 22 through 24. Matthew 12, 22 through 24. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. And he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. So here we see Jesus, he is again on the mission. His mindset is on probably uh, one thing you can imagine, and it's the kingdom. And here he is, 
and he's healing this demon-possessed man who's blind and mute. And the people around him, the multitude around him, they start to realize something. They start to realize that there was uh, this Messiah that was coming. You remember? They knew about this Messiah that was going to come, and it was going to come through what? The seed of David. And it's very interesting that this is the comment that they make. They say, could this be the son of David? Is this the Messiah? Is this the one that we've been looking for? Is this him? You know, you think about Jesus and you think about how awesome He is, and you think about how perfect He was in the things that He did. You know, He didn't do anything for just doing it. Everything had a purpose. You remember in John chapter 9, uh, verses 2 and 4, His disciples asked Him, they said, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or, or His parents? There was a man that was blind, and they were asking Him, who sinned, this man or, this, or His parents? And Jesus said, Neither this man or his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus was on a mission. Jesus was on a mission to show who he was. And he was going to do it by any means necessary. He wanted to prove that He was the Son of God. But what do the Pharisees do? As soon as they hear it, as soon as they hear that somebody may receive a little bit more glory than them, somebody may receive a little bit more power than them, what do they say? They throw out some type of ridiculous comment. 24. Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the rulers of the demons. It's almost like they get a real uh, smart answer because they're real smart in their studies and they understand this Beelzebub, he's the ruler of the demons. And the only way that he can do this is by casting out by His name. <laughs> you know, it makes me think about 1 Corinthians one twenty, where it says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? You know, the Pharisees, they uh, claimed that they knew all these things and they were really smart. And you know, when I think about this, I talked with James about it. We were kind of talking about it. And you know, as soon as these Pharisees say it, it's almost like Jesus kind of stops and turns around. And he says, you know what? We're fixing to deal with something today. <laughs> who, 
we're fixing to deal with something today. You know, this has gone on long enough. I'm fixing to talk about something today. And look what Jesus says in verse 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Before we go any further, think about what Jesus just said. Division. What can division do? It won't stand. Think about division in the church. I don't even have time to go out of, out of that into the houses, even into the cities. I don't have time to, to talk about that. I want to talk about the church for just a minute. What happens when there's division in the church? What happens when we lose our focus? You see, when you talk about the miracles of Jesus, you can't help but always go back to believing in one person. That was the whole purpose. Was to believe in Jesus and believe He was the Messiah and believe what He was doing was the number one thing. But what happens? These Pharisees, they had lost the focus. They had started making their own rules, their own laws. They had made their own way. And if anybody else, even kind of, received any more glory than them, there was a problem. The Jews were God's people, right? They knew the Messiah was coming, right? And the people were actually starting to get maybe a little bit excited about it. And the leaders knocked it right down. James also said in his prayer, talking about the elders, God has set it up in His wisdom and His knowledge to have elders over congregations. Not a pastor... Elders. And when elders are the leaders, when elders are the ones that are doing what they see fit for the congregation according to God's will, the congregation is strong. The congregation is powerful. But when you have elders who are seeking their own will, their own agenda, what happens? Well, we see it with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We see it with the leaders of the Jews. We see what happens. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, in front of them. And they're thre- they feel threatened. Look at verse 26. It's like Jesus is warming up. Man, he's warming up. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? 
So what he's basically going to do is he's going to attack these really smart Pharisees. He's fixing to attack them. He's fixing to say, okay, you think that I'm casting out demons in Beelzebub's name? Let's talk about this for a minute. How much sense does this really make? If Satan casts out Satan, isn't he dividing against himself? Isn't he making himself weaker by knocking off the things that he wanted for his strengths? Look what he says in verse 27. He even goes deeper. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. If I cast out Beelzebub, who do your sons cast out? Like, you believe in casting out demons... But you don't believe that I cast them out the right way? But they do, right? They threw out something that was maybe not thought about too well. Maybe they threw out something that they really hadn't thought would be uh, something that wouldn't have been uh, argued with. Maybe they just thought they'd throw it out and the people would say, yeah, you're right, he's crazy, and just left. But no, that's not what happened. Jesus stood his ground, and it's almost like he just draws a line in the sand. He draws the line. Because look what he says right here in verse 27. And if I cast out demons... 28, sorry. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now look at verses 29 and 30. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. <laughs> he uses this battle talk. How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. You see it? You see the allegiance that he's wanting to see? He obviously knows where the Pharisee's mind is. He obviously knows where the Pharisees, uh, what their uh, motives are. He says, basically what he's saying is, here I am, I've come to destroy the kingdom of Satan and you're not for me. You're not with me. He who is not with me is against me. You know, it's like Jesus sets the stage for the real Super Bowl. For the real Super Bowl. 
There's only two teams. Two teams. Can you guess what teams those are? God's kingdom, Satan's kingdom. And he's fixing to give the qualifications, the action or fact making one eligible for something. The qualifications, how you know if you are on God's team or Satan's team. From verses 31 till the end of the, till 37 is the qualifications of God and Satan's kingdom. And he starts out strong. Look at verse 31 and 32. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Either in this age or in the age to come. This is a hot topic sometimes. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Look at the context of what he's talking about. Look at verse 28 again. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. What was the Pharisees doing? They didn't believe. Well, they may have believed, but they didn't want to admit that he was a part of God's kingdom. They didn't want to believe that he was a part or they didn't want people to know who he was. They didn't believe or didn't want people to believe that he was the Messiah. So here's a qualification. How do we interact with the Spirit today? Do I touch you? Do you come up here and I touch you and you fall out? Do I have some water in the... Get some of this water and sprinkle it on you and you pass out? Absolutely not. Right here. Right here. Do I have an extra book that I go by that, that the Spirit came and, and talked to another person and gave them this book? No, 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 no. We have God's Word. We have everything we need right here to life and godliness. Isn't that what Peter said? But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is an atheist, is somebody who doesn't believe in what the Bible says and does everything they can do to speak against the Bible. That's their mission in life is to talk about how God does not exist. But let's say that you do believe. Let's say that you have obeyed the gospel. Let's say that you have been baptized for the remission of your sins and you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you believe that the Bible was given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
and then you turn from it. <laughs> then you turn from it. This ain't for me. I tried it. Too much pressure. Too much. We've blasphemed the Holy Spirit and stand as one who, even more so than somebody who didn't even want to obey it, somebody who knew the truth and walked away. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And we can talk about this and talk about this, but the point here. is do you believe Jesus and you do you believe who He is and do you believe what the Word of God says? Do you believe that? That's a qualification for being in the kingdom of God. Look at verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by what? Its fruits. This is simple. A good tree has good fruit, and a bad tree has bad fruit. Look at your life. Look at yourself. Look at your actions. Look at the things that you do. Do you have good fruit on your tree, or do you have bad fruit on your tree? What is on your tree? Look at verse 34. It's almost like he's... I don't even know the word. I don't... He's... It's not that he's upset with them, but he's understanding their heart. He calls them a brood of vipers. Exclamation point. Think about this, brethren. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Pharisees, yes, you know they'd be quick to say, We're sons of Abraham, we're Jews. We're children of God. But how did they speak? What came out of their heart? They would profess to be God's children, but their actions didn't show it. Sound familiar? They were fence riders. They wanted the glory, they wanted the honor, but then when it came down to do it, they didn't want to do it. They had their own agenda. Boy, that puts me in check. That puts me in my place to make sure what are my goals, what are my ambitions. I don't want to reap the benefits of being... uh, a Christian out in the world and then not even really living it. 
God knows my heart. I love this quote. Many have the form of godliness, but deny the power and show their true colors by their actions. But, still try to wave the flag and wear the uniform of the real army. The real army. That's disrespectful. Brutal vipers is what Jesus said. Boy, I don't want to be in that class. I don't want to be held in that uh, regard. As somebody who wears the uniform, but really, there ain't no good coming out of me. It's all for my own self. Maybe I don't have anything coming out. Look at verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Is your mission to do the right thing and do it the right way no matter what the cost? Even though sometimes you uh, may not get what you want, even though sometimes you may not get the glory that you may think you need to receive, maybe nobody even knows about it. Are you doing it so everybody can say, Great job, Matt. You did a great job, man. You're such a super Christian. You're a super Christian. Or do you do it because you love the Lord? Jesus didn't care about anybody else. His relationship with God the Father was so in tune, that was his focus. You know, and I've heard brethren say, well, I got to get right. I got to get some more knowledge before I can do some things and I can, uh, then I'll be better. Or uh, I need to study some more scripture. Hey, guess what? You don't have to be a Greek scholar to do something right. You don't have to be understand Hebrew to be able to go and, and, and affect somebody's life. You know what you got to do? Go do it. Because your focus is on changing somebody's life. Changing their life. Jesus was on a mission to what? Seek and save the lost. I'm not up here yelling this at you so I can say y'all are terrible and I'm great. I'm saying this because I see Jesus' passion here. Brethren, I see His passion for the mission. Do we see the passion? Where's your heart? Look at verses 36 and 37. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. 
For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Here's a qualification. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? When you speak, what comes out of your mouth? Does it bring glory and honor to God? Or do we speak about mess? Do we speak about things that don't even get close to bringing glory and honor to God? Or do we talk about things that don't even pertain to God and never even talk about God? What comes out of our mouth will either justify us or condemn us. Boy, that's a powerful thought. What I say is going to justify me or condemn me. That makes me want to make sure that I'm speaking the right things and I'm saying the right things and I'm doing the right things that I'm talking about doing. Amen? I don't want to speak to somebody in a way that would... Uh, make them not want to do God's will. I don't think anybody in here would. But you know what? We can do it. Foul language. Gossip. I can roll the list out. You know what I'm talking about. Jesus draws the line, brethren. And as I close, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about, are you blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Are you a good tree or a bad tree? How's your heart? Is it evil or is it good? And how you talking? Very simple qualifications. But are you one who is proud to be a Christian? And if you're proud to be a Christian, these things don't come hard. You're happy about it. You're joyful to show people who Jesus is. Where's your allegiance? Two teams. God's, Satan's. Look at your life and you have to make the the choice. Is what you say and what you do truly a resemblance of a person who is a part of the greatest, most powerful, everlasting kingdom ever? Ever. Ever. And if it's not, you can become a part of it today. I want my allegiance to be to the king of kings. Amen? And I want my allegiance to be fixed on his glory and his honor. I know I fail and I know I struggle. 
but I always want to get better and better each day because I fix my eyes on Him and what He does for me and how He mediates for me and how He loves me. And if you're here today and you are not a part of the kingdom, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? He died for you. And you can obey the gospel this morning. And you do it by hearing. And you do it by having faith. And the way that you have that faith is by hearing the word of God. And the word of God tells us that Jesus came to this earth, did all those miracles, did all those things, And then he died on a cross for our sins. And then he was raised. And if you want to obey the gospel, you've got to believe that. He also said that you must repent of your sins, turn from your ways, and live for him. And be able to confess in front of men that you believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And you can be baptized in water for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that begins a journey that will last forever. But Jesus said, be faithful unto death and he'll give you that crown. And you can live with him forever and ever. If you need to obey the gospel or you need to reclaim your allegiance to the kingdom, come right now together we stand and sing.